You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Why do you stay in prison when the door is so wide open? That question was asked by the Sufi poet Rumi in the 13th century. Hey, hello, storytellers. And welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. We're fortunate that our host, Audible, is enriching lives. They are offering you, our storytellers, a free audiobook download of your choice, plus a one-month free trial of all of Audible service. And you get to choose from more than 180,000 titles. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and take advantage of this wonderful gift. Remember that this show is enriched by our dialogue with you. So keep your comments and inspired thoughts coming. Send them to Lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com. Today's guest is a man who asked himself that question, decided to walk out of his prison, and today helps free others from theirs. He understands that too many people are living as prisoners in their own bodies, held captive by bad habits that have drained them of their livelihood and sentenced them to premature death. Are you thinking right now, wow, why did I tune into this podcast today? Well, you can leave if you choose, but you'll be very glad if you stay and listen to a man's journey from an imprisoned state of mind to an empowered state of mind. You will be uplifted and inspired to take control of your health, your wealth, and your destiny. You'll learn things that could very well save your life from the man who wrote a book called How to Live Until You Die. Put the emphasis on the word live. Get excited as I introduce him to our show, Dr. Phil Carson. Welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Well, thank you uh, so much, Lewis. I'm honored to be uh, a guest on your show today. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you. I received that. Hey, it's not every day that I can say to the world, hey, guys, I've got Dr. Phil on my show. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, well, uh, fortunately, I've, I've got all my hair still, and uh, I'm not as not as round as, as the Dr. Field on the TV show. Yeah, actually, <laughs> uh, i got to tell my audience, um, no no disrespect to the, the famous Dr. Phil, but this Dr. Phil is a better-looking guy. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and, and uh, let me see, the Dr. Phil is an MD, isn't he? Is he or is he a psychiatrist, a psychologist? He's a psychologist, yeah. And And you are? I am a doctor of pharmacy. A doctor of pharmacy. This is going to be very interesting, folks. Very interesting. Phil, did you have a childhood dream of what you wanted to be when you grew up? 
Uh, yeah, actually, um, I, I did. I guess it was probably more in my junior high school years. Uh, high school years, I began to uh, dream of being an architect mm. and uh, designing things, building things. Uh, uh, I liked uh, using my mind to think up these things, and, and, I, and I still do, uh, but I do it in a different way. Uh, I, I call myself uh, a uh, natural health architect now, and uh, I, I'm an architect uh, in one respect, uh, but in a whole different arena, a whole different world, not to, uh, in building buildings and things, but in, in building uh, life, uh, transforming plans for people's health and that, helping people design plans for their health to get them on a road to, to living healthier lives. That definitely qualifies you as an architect, my friend. Now, yeah. I'm curious, what what made you veer away from that initial dream? I mean, because, you know, I mean, that happens to most of us. I mean, a lot of us just, we start with one idea, but then life takes us in another direction. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess uh, probably the, the initial thing was, uh, my guidance counselor at school uh, called me in one day when it, uh, you know, when I was a senior in high school, and we were talking about careers and different things. And he uh, he said, "I see that you know you you are excelling in uh, math and and science, chemistry." Uh, he said, "Have you considered the uh, pharmacy?" He said, uh, "The pay is really good. I think it might be a you know uh, something that you would uh, enjoy." So uh, I decided to visit uh, our uh, local university here uh, in Mississippi that uh, has a pharmacy school and checked into it. Uh, I liked what I saw. Uh, I liked uh, what they were saying about the, the, the great pay coming uh, right out of school. And so uh, that's, uh, that's the path I, I took. Mm-hmm. Now, who would you say influenced you the most when you were a child? I would probably say my, my grandparents influenced uh, me the most. Uh, each set of my, my maternal and paternal grandparents, because uh, in the summers and holidays, as much as I could, uh, I, I stayed with my grandparents. It, it, was a, it was an escape for me, for one thing, uh, because of dysfunctional home I was living in. But uh, I spent a lot of time with them during the summers, especially, I actually, uh, when I was growing up until I got into junior high school, I spent uh, the whole summers uh, with them. Uh, I would kind of go back and forth between the two, uh, and I was not home during the summer, mm-hmm. and, and I loved it. I, I learned a lot of things. Uh, you know, one one of my grandparents had a farm. Uh, my other grandfather uh, uh, was a was a pastor, and he moved around different places and different churches over the years, and. So I got a lot of good uh, experience and life experience. I learned a lot of things as a child growing up, living with them. You know, that's fascinating to me. And uh, something else that you said, that you were in a dysfunctional home. If you feel good, comfortable talking a little bit about that, because what I'm learning more and more is that some of the most brilliant people who are contributing the most in the world, when you look into their past, they, they lived in a lot of with a lot of dysfunction. And... Mm-hmm. In, in confronting that obstacle, it actually led them to their greatness. So do you feel, uh, what was dysfunctional about the home life? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I'd be happy to share that. Uh, I know there's a lot of people out there uh, that have probably grown up the same way. And there's, uh, unfortunately, there's more 
kids growing up in dysfunctional homes today than it was when I was growing up back in the in the sixties and seventies. But um, yeah, I, I um, my dad was uh, a very uh, uh, angry and and violent uh, person, and um, <clears throat> so we lived on the edge uh, all the time. And not knowing uh, if we were going to say something or do something that was going to, you know, set him off. Uh, and, you know, uh, there was, uh, I've since learned that there were some underlying causes uh, for his anger and uh, his uh, outlook on life. And um, you know, I've uh, <clears throat> totally forgiven him for all the the, the crazy things that uh, he, did, he did when I was growing up and uh, and, and pain he inflicted upon uh, my brother and I and my, and my mom. But, uh, you know, that that's the case with a lot of people today. They grow up in these, these type of homes with an angry person or an alcoholic person or somebody that's on drugs. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it, it's tough. But, um, you know, I, realizing now what the, the pain he was dealing with the things from emotional hurts, emotional things he was dealing with from his childhood, uh, was, uh, a part of why he was like he was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, thankfully today, uh, he's, uh, he's still alive. He's, uh, 76 years old, but, uh, he, he's a much different person than he was, uh, when I was growing up, thankfully. Wonderful. Yeah. I mean, what you're describing is not uncommon and it, 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 it always can be traced back to a person being in extreme pain. It's not because uh, most people, I believe, are not evil. They're uh, they're hurt, and uh, yeah. and they strike out because they don't know how to relieve the hurt. So, and as difficult as it is, that is a in a way a great training ground for bringing out character, wouldn't you say? Yeah, exactly, oh, yeah. exactly. So when did you start to begin to question traditional medicine? Because being in pharma, I mean, there are pharmacists who will just continue to play in that world forever, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. So when yeah. did you start to get disillusioned with traditional medicine? Well, uh, it wasn't um, uh, necessarily that I started to get disillusioned. Uh, I was suffering myself from some physical problems uh, as well as emotional Right out of pharmacy school, I went to work for a big chain company, which is what most pharmacists do, you know, this day and time. And and that's what was happening back then. These chains, uh, chain operations were starting to pop up and expand all over the country. And there were a lot of opportunities uh, for young pharmacists to, you know, get good paying jobs. And uh, I got one of those working for this chain. And one year in, uh, to this job, uh, the manager of the store left and they made me manager. And, uh, I tell people, uh, all the time, I, I thought pharmacy school was extremely stressful and it was, but when I became manager of the store, I found out what stress was really all about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was tough. Um, so, uh, with all that stress and with the pressure of everything, being a manager store, trying to, uh, you know, excel and do my best and I'm a perfectionist uh, and and I always want to give my best in everything that I do and so I was spending hours and hours after after the store closed working on paperwork doing things and trying to to do the best that I could do and it was affecting my health in a lot of different ways 
uh, all the stress of everything, I was beginning to develop ulcers. I was taking several medications for all the stomach uh, digestive issues I was uh, I was having. Uh, some nights I'd go home and lay on the floor, double over in pain from uh, severe gastritis. I would sleep in a recliner a lot of nights because of the severe reflux, uh, uh, gastric reflux that I had. And being a young newlywed, uh, that was affecting my wife, uh, my life, uh, uh, you know, as a as a husband as well as uh, all of the the things I had, uh, responsibilities I had uh, at work, you know, and, and I, bad eating habits uh, is another thing. I would eat on the run all the time. I would eat as fast as I could, and eating junk food and food that was not good for me. So I, I developed some pretty pretty poor uh, habits there as well. And it was directly affecting my uh, my health, uh, and the stress was affecting me emotionally as well. And so I started looking for uh, uh, an answer to my symptoms and my problems because the medication was giving me some temporary relief, but that that was it. Mm-hmm. So I was in a bookstore one day, and I picked up a book that I saw on natural medicine. You know, in pharmacy school, when I was going through in, in the late 70s, early 80s, I was taught the history of natural medicine, not the application of it. Mm. It was a thing of the past when I was going through school. It was, uh, uh, and it was really kind of taboo to a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, at, at that time. So when I saw this book, uh, I, I picked it up, started looking through it. I was kind of intrigued with what I was reading. I bought the book, took it home, found a chapter in there on digestive health. Uh, and this book actually was written by an MD and his nutritionist wife. And um, <clears throat> so I started reading uh, this chapter on digestive health, and I said, well, this makes a lot of sense. I'm going to try it. I started applying those things to my life, and they worked. Mm-hmm. I found my cure, so to speak, for my digestive issues naturally. And so I started sharing that with other people and with my patients, and they began to see changes. They began to see improvement. And that just uh, sparked my interest to learn even more. And so I started seeking out courses and looking for uh, courses I could take in natural medicine. And I got certified uh, in all kinds of natural therapies over the years. And that's kind of how it all uh, came about. And I transitioned uh, to natural medicine because of my own problem I was trying to uh, find an answer for. That's the best way. That's a wonderful, wonderful story. And um, I'm glad that you stayed with it and took the journey. Now, I know that something that intrigues me in the way you described beginning to find your way by taking long walks in the woods. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was um, uh, something that uh, uh, I've done all my life, uh, basically. You know, a lot of times when uh, I was at home and living in my household I grew up in, my, my dad would be on one of his rages. I would, I would get out of the house. I would, uh, fortunately, uh, we lived uh, on the, right on the edge of town. There was a wooded areas all around me. So I could take off out in the woods, run off out in the woods and just hide and stay there. And it was my hiding place. And, um, <clears throat> so, uh, over the years, uh, enjoyed spending time in nature and getting out and enjoying the woods and nature and hiking and those kind of things. And where I live now, I live in the country. I live way out in the woods. 
and uh, you you um, when you come to my house, uh, you're coming for a reason because I'm not easy to find. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, I'm, I, and I love it. I love being uh, in nature. So that's I'm right in the middle of uh, of a big wooded wooded area. But uh, anyway, I, the road that I, that I live on is a you know a quiet country road. So I get out and walk up and down the road a lot. But a few years ago, I lost uh, everything I had. I had uh, taken all the natural knowledge and things that I had learned, and I had built a couple of pharmacy practices. I opened up one. A few years later, I opened up another one that was strictly natural. Uh, the first one was integrated, and um, <clears throat> but when the uh, crash in the economy 2008-2009 happened, uh, I was uh, a casualty of that crash, and uh, I ended up losing everything I had but my house, and um, financially, you know, that is, but uh, so those long walks that you're talking about are, are walks that I took during that dark time in my life, a soul-searching time in my life when uh, I was uh, suffering uh, emotionally and especially at that time, had some physical things going on as well, not sleeping and not sleeping well and just not taking care of myself because of all the stress uh, that I had been under uh, leading up to that uh, that loss. But uh, those long uh, meditative walks, prayerful walks that I had, made a big difference in, in restoring me and bringing me uh, back uh, to health and putting me back on a path to emotional, physical, financial health and success again. Beautiful. So, Do you recall any particular pivotal moment on one of those walks when you came out of the fog of pain and confusion and began to see something clearly and you know, like we do an idea. Uh, said, "Wow, I see a way now." Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. There's, there's actually actually a couple of things, but uh, uh, the main one would be an affirmation, so to speak, that began to come out my come out of my mouth one night as I, I was walking and talking and uh, and just uh, uh, praying and, and talking to myself and. And thinking about all, all the things that were going on in my life. And, and uh, I began to say, I am happy, I am healthy, I am whole. And at the time, Lewis, I was not any of the three. Didn't feel that at all. It was actually the opposite of all of those. And um, <clears throat> so, but those words began to come out of my mouth. And I began to say them over and over and over. And every night that I, I would get to take one of those walks, I would say those words. And um, yeah, that that had to be, uh, with no doubt, a pivotal pivotal point in uh, in my life, um, because as I began to say those things, um, things began to happen and things began to change, and uh, I got on a, a, another path and began to to move up, and new opportunities came along, and and it's life changing things began uh, began to happen. Was it because I was saying those words? I, I don't know. I, I think you know it definitely had something uh, to do with it because I could have been saying the opposite and kept repeating the opposite, but uh, uh, but thankfully I didn't, and thankfully those words came to me that night. Uh, I, I know it was uh, life-changing. Actually, those words ended up uh, becoming the subtitle of my book, How to Live Until You Die. Uh, and I, I, The subtitle is The Seven Keys to Living Happy, Healthy, and Whole. And uh, so, 
yeah, there, there's a, a saying, a quote that I heard somebody say recently, I think uh, would be appropriate to share uh, at this time. And uh, I, when I heard somebody say this, I said, wow, that's, that's so true. And I wrote it down. And uh, he said, opportunities in life can be a byproduct of the adversity we go through. And uh, that was so true for me. Uh, I know that the opportunities that came about in my life during that uh, adversity I was going through and facing uh, were life-changing opportunities that I probably would not have realized or experienced uh, otherwise. I totally agree with you, my friend. This is a, a subject that fascinates me. I'm so glad that you shared that wonderful story. Who said that quote? Uh, I heard that from a guy named Stephen Furtick. Um, how do you spell? How do you spell his last name? Uh, F U R T I C K. Stephen Furtick. F U R T I C K. C I C K. T T I C K. T I C K. Furtick. Okay, Stephen Furtick. Wonderful. I love that. Now, you had said before, and I know why. I mean. You started saying the affirmation, and you said, you asked yourself the question, Did was that the reason that I began to turn around? You said, I don't know. Well, understandably, we're, when something like that happens, and it's so powerful, there isn't a logical explanation for it. I'm going to recommend the book. Uh, you may know it, but I think if you don't, you will absolutely love it. It's a very powerful book. It's called Breaking the Habit of Being yourself. And it's about, it's it's based in quantum physics. And when you said, I said those three words, but I wasn't any of those three things. When you read the book, you'll understand, you know what, you were those three things that were living in you as an unexplored potential. And that when you give the subconscious mind a command, which is what an affirmation does, it -hmm. responds by starting to make that potential become a reality. Yeah. Make sense? It does. Absolutely. I agree. And this is very powerful stuff. And it's becoming more and more. I mean, we started to get a hint of it with the movie The Secret, but still... There's a lot of confusion about what all that stuff means. And people go, ah, you know, that's just hype. Okay. You can treat it that way or not. But I love the fact that what you said, I believe that the moment you said that, you were beginning to unveil that reality that was living within you. Yeah. And then, then, good for you that you stayed on the path and you actually brought it out into the world because not only did you need it, but a lot of other people as well needed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's true. I, I agree. Yeah. And you, speaking of a book, you made me think of a book uh, that I read a few years ago. Need to read it again. Uh, it's an old classic book written over a hundred years ago by James Allen uh, as a man. Thank you. I've got it. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. As a man yeah. thinketh, I love that one. Yes. You know what? You know what's wonderful? There isn't anything new. There's only new ways of helping people to see it. Yeah. It's always been there. I mean, the quotation I gave at the beginning is from the 13th century. And when you read some of Rumi's statements, 
they belong in the 26th century. You know, this guy walking around in a what we would consider to be a totally unsophisticated world, but the truths that matter have always been with us. This is so powerful. What are the biggest health threats that people are denying today? Well, one of the biggest ones is is what I'm talking about, teaching about this whole month of, uh, of November, and because it's uh, National Diabetes Month. Uh, and so many people are not facing the reality that if they don't change their lifestyle, if they don't change what they're eating, change the habits that they, uh, that they have right now, they're going to become one of those statistics that, that are out there right now with, with diabetes. And here in the state of Mississippi where I live, unfortunately, we're number one in the nation most years. Wow. Uh, our, our neighbor, Alabama, beats us out sometimes. Uh, but, uh, you know, usually it goes kind of back and forth between Alabama and Mississippi, who's number one in the nation as far as diabetes and, uh, and obesity. Whoa. Why do you think that is? Why, why would you guys hold that title? <laughs> well, it, it's... Uh, uh, it's lifestyle for one thing. Uh, it's the, the economy, you know, uh, in our area is another thing. Uh, and it's, uh, but more than that, Lewis, it's the mindset. Oh, it's yeah. the mindset. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's the mindset of, of the people because I, I, I know and I, I know people that or what you would consider uh, economically poor, uh, but yet they still, they still have the right mindset and they take care of themselves. They try to eat better. And then you've got a whole nother subset of uh, people over here that are in the same financial status, but they're the totally opposite. They're not taking care of themselves. They're extremely overweight. They eat whatever they want, eat junk all the time. So I think more so than finances, more so than culture, uh, whatever, uh, the mindset is, uh, is what's driving it. I totally agree. I've been a student of personal development. I mean, formal student of personal development since 2006. I've invested more than $100,000 since then in my own personal growth. And that is irrefutable. It's mindset always. It always yeah. goes back to that. It, oh, This is wonderful stuff. I'm just curious, um, where does Texas sit on that? Because... When I spend time in Texas, I can't believe how badly they eat. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where Texas is, but I, I can tell you this. Most most of the states in the South are, are in the top 10. Uh, mm -hmm. They're going to be in the top states as far as obesity and, and diabetes. But I know uh, Texas is pretty high because Texas has uh, a large uh, Hispanic population, of course. And um, I actually, I just spoke about this, uh, shared this on my Feeling Good Friday broadcast that I do. It's a Facebook Live broadcast I do every Friday uh, because I was in Texas this past Friday in, uh, in San Antonio. And so uh, I spoke a little bit on my broadcast about uh, the increased risk that the Hispanic population has when it comes to diabetes. Uh, they have a greater risk of developing diabetes than uh, non-Hispanic population does so um what, why, why, the, the, why? the number the number is pretty high i know i'm not exactly sure where they are in, in those ratings but i know they're pretty high why why do they have a higher risk uh well uh it, it's it's 
another thing their their lifestyle their culture uh, the things uh, the things that they eat uh, it has a lot uh, to do with that mm-hmm. and, and as it does with most uh, people that are in that <clears throat> high risk uh, mm-hmm. category why would you say why do you think people are so resistant to change uh, I, you know I, I, <laughs> that's a question uh, that uh, uh, that I ask myself a lot of times looking at people <laughs> and and uh, that I deal with and I work with. Why will you not? Why do you? Why won't you change? Why won't you do what's necessary? I don't. I, I don't understand it. You're you're hearing all this knowledge and you're receiving all this knowledge. You see what's going on. You see what's happening. You see what can happen, but yet you still uh, you still resist. I, I think people uh, people get into a rut, so to speak, and uh, it's what they get used to. It's uh, uh, it's a day-to-day thing, and it's hard for them to to break away uh, from the habits uh, that they have. And another thing, too, uh, a lot of people have the mindset that, well, you know, if I do end up getting sick or something happens or whatever, there's a drug for that. Oh, you my know, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh God. <laughs> there, yeah. There's a medication for I, I can take this medication and I'll be okay. Oh, and a lot of people have that mindset now that are taking medications, even diabetes. They think, well, as long as I'm taking my medication, I can eat what I want to. I can do what I want to. Wrong, wrong, wrong. I know, man. Yeah. Oh, oh, God. That's, that's, it's sad but true. What are two yeah. things that people can do today that will support their health? Just two simple things. Well, uh, <clears throat> number one, and I ask people this, everybody that comes to see me, everybody that I consult with, I counsel, uh, that I coach uh, as far as uh, with their health, uh, I always ask them this question. One of the first questions I ask, and that's how much water are you drinking? And the number one answer that I get is probably not enough. And when they start telling me what they are drinking and how much, they're exactly right. Uh, not near enough, actually. And... Uh, so drinking water is one of the best things that people can do for their health. Uh, our bodies are comprised of 60 to 70% water, depending on our age. And we have to keep our bodies hydrated. We have, we have to do it. We can't live without water. You, you can live without food for a long time, but you can't live without water uh, for, uh, for very long at all, a few days at the most. Uh, so we've got to have water. And uh, there's so many people suffering from health issues because they're not properly hydrated. They're not giving their body what it needs most. And so that would be number one. And probably I would say uh, uh, number two would be uh, physical activity. We need to be more active. We need to be uh, doing more things to keep our bodies moving uh, and in motion. Uh, We're too sedentary. And uh, the physical activity, it doesn't have to be vigorous exercise. And I tell people this all the time. And I write about this in my book. You you can do simple things like just getting out and taking a walk. Uh, or if you don't like exercise, find something physical that you enjoy doing and do it consistently. Mm-hmm. And it makes a difference. I totally agree with that. I want to come back to the question of water because I, I know something about that. And my feeling about that is that it's unfortunate. You know, They say when something is free, people don't really value it enough. It's not, I mean, we pay for water today. We buy bottled water, but it's so readily available that we just take it for granted. And what would be the amount of water 
that a person should be consuming every day to really support their health? Yeah. Well, uh, the general recommended amount is half of your body weight in ounces a day. For example, if you weigh 120 pounds, then you need 60 ounces of water a day, uh, minimum. Yeah, and that's uh, that's uh, uh, that's the general rule of thumb, so to speak, for the amount of water that you should be drinking. Wonderful, isn't it true that sometimes when people overeat, because they say, "Well, I have these strong hunger pains," they mm-hmm. don't realize that they're really dehydrated. That if they had consumed enough water, some of those hunger pangs would disappear. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the uh, the hunger pains that people have are, are, are mistaken for thirst a lot of times. Actually, they're thirsty and they need a drink uh, of water uh, instead of going grabbing uh, some kind of junk food to eat, which is often what happens. Are you familiar with a book called The Water Cure? No, not uh, not familiar with uh, uh, with that one. Um, the, um, uh, the book, uh, that I'm most referenced, uh, when it comes to, to water was written by, uh, an Iranian doctor that, uh, uh, came over to the United States years ago, uh, Dr. Batman Jarley, uh, and, uh, it's, uh, called, uh, the body's many cries for water. The, the and, body, uh, the body cries for water? The body's many cries for water. Oh, yeah. I gotta yeah. look that up. Yeah, and um, it's uh, Batman Batman Jelly uh, is 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 his name. Uh, Your body's many cries for water is actually subtitled is "You are not sick, you are thirsty." Oh, I love that. I'm gonna definitely look that up. I love that. How does financial stress is another one that people over underestimate how are the specific ways that financial stress can really damage health uh, unfortunately i've been there and done that and uh, well, that's why you can talk, uh, that's why you can speak to it <laughs> yeah yeah the the financial stress um, you know one of the reasons why i was working so hard out of pharmacy school and, and as a young pharmacist uh, was to pay off school loans and uh, it took me a long time to do that, and it created a lot of financial stress in my, in my life. And the, the financial stress leads to emotional stress. Uh, it can lead to physical stress because, you know, you're, uh, you're thinking about it all the time, and you're doing things like I was doing, working uh, long hours, uh, you know, picking up a second job or a third job, uh, and, and you're neglecting the health of your body. You're neglecting your, your physical health. Uh, totally, uh, in a lot of times in those cases, uh, and and that was my story. You know, that was what was happening uh, to me. And um, you know, the uh, the emotional side of it is, is to me is probably the uh, the worst part uh, when it comes to financial stress. All the emotional stress that it causes and creates uh, it begins to affect your sleep. It can it can affect your marriage. And, and you know, one of the top ten reasons for divorce is financial pressure financial issues yeah you know uh, have you heard that they 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 say they've done a study that an extra five hundred dollars a month could save a lot of marriages mm-hmm. yeah i believe that wow. i believe that yeah. wow wow this is powerful yeah. stuff 
Another thing that I learned recently, the, the study they did on Heart Attack Monday, that statistically there are a lot of people, higher degree of heart attacks happen on Mondays when people return to stressful work that they can't yeah. stand because they're under the gun. They feel, I don't have enough money. I can't stand this, but I have to do it. It's again, goes back to financial pressure and their hearts give out. Yes, yeah, exactly. These killers that um, we're carrying <clears throat> around inside of us now. What? Well, you know what? I'm going to jump to this other question because it, uh, this is big on my mind. What are your thoughts on ADHD? Oh, wow. Well, <laughs> great. Yeah, I'm glad, glad you asked that because I, I have some uh, unconventional thoughts on uh, uh, on ADD, uh, ADHD, uh, all of these uh, disorders. Uh, they're not diseases. They're not sicknesses. They're disorders uh, that so many kids especially get labeled with in school. Uh, and they're not, uh, they're, they're not truly ADD. Um, and uh, for, for people who may not know, it's attention deficit disorder. Uh, and uh, my wife tells me all the time I'm ADD. And, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, and if I am, that's fine. Uh, but ADD is something that people get labeled because of these symptoms that they're experiencing. And there's an underlying cause for those symptoms. And it's not an amphetamine deficiency. And that's what people get, uh, what, especially kids, they get prescribed. Uh, thankfully, there's some new non-amphetamine drugs that are not quite as bad as the amphetamines are. But still, most kids are being prescribed these prescription dangerous amphetamines to calm them down from what they have been labeled ADD or ADHD or to help them uh, get better focus. So uh, my philosophy is uh, you don't need a drug uh, and you need to correct the underlying problem, the underlying cause, because as I just said, the underlying cause is not an amphetamine deficiency. They have deficiencies a lot of times, these, these kids and these people that are uh, labeled this way, uh, and it's nutritional deficiencies. And you can uh, satisfy these nutritional deficiencies. And I've seen this happen over and over and over with, with kids I've worked with over the years and uh, clean up their gut, so to speak, because a lot of them have uh, gut issues. They have digestive issues. Uh, and there's an underlying cause for that. And it's the connection between the gut and the brain Lewis, that's causing most of these problems that these people are experiencing or, or are having, so to speak, that's causing them to be labeled uh, ADD or ADHD. And so when you correct that uh, and you work on the gut, it makes all the difference in the world. It, it, I, I've had kids go from being very unfocused, very poor students, very unruly, to becoming well-focused uh, A and B students. And I love it when a parent or grandparent comes up to me and says, I can't believe the difference I see in this child. Mm. Uh, and uh, so that uh, I'm very, very passionate about that. And matter of fact, uh, several years ago when I was still behind the counter practicing pharmacy and dispensing medications, <clears throat> I made the decision to stop dispensing those amphetamines 
a parent brought brought in a prescription to me for their child, their sometimes their three or four year old child for amphetamines, uh, I will tell them, I'm sorry, you know, I, I can't feel this. I, I made the decision not to do this anymore because of the harm this drug can cause. And um, I can offer you some natural alternatives, but I, I can't fill this prescription. You'll have to go somewhere else and get it. And nine times out of ten, they would say, I want to know about the natural alternatives. Tell me what I can do because I really don't want to give this to my child anyway. They were feeling like they had to do it, that they were not necessarily forced to do it, but uh, they were pressured to do it. Wow. You know, the work you're doing is so, so important. I, I listened you know, and was agreeing with everything you're saying. I, I, I see that as well. And, yeah. and I know, I know that these behaviors can be modified by modifying nutrition. By getting the yeah. proper nutrition in, the behavior will change. And yeah. that is just one. And good for you for standing your ground, even though you were a pharmacist and saying, sorry, but you're going to have to get that somewhere else. Uh, that is wonderful. So why do people blindly follow their doctors and pharmacists? Well, uh, I, I think uh, it, it's it's a trust factor. For many, many years now, surveys show that it's two of the most trusted professions uh, there are is uh, doctors and pharmacists. And uh, for, I don't know, for several years in a row there back uh, Ten years or so ago, maybe now, pharmacists were often rated number one trusted professionals out there. It's I don't know. I haven't looked at those things, those statistics in a long time, so I don't know who's number one now or what the top three are or whatever. Uh, but uh, that was being publicized in the pharmacy world several years ago that uh, you know we were often number one, and so I think it's a trust thing uh, pr- uh, primarily that uh, people trust their doctors trust their pharmacists so much and so they just blindly follow what they say a lot of times well i agree with that i i'd love to probe a little deeper if we can to really question question why have we given them our unquestioned trust because this is a this is not only in the world of medicine this happens in the world of politics this happens in any arena where a person has established authority. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I think a lot of times when it comes to uh, to medicine, because people are looking for an easy way. Mm. Uh, they're looking for uh, what's quick, what's easy. And, um, uh, you know, sadly, as I mentioned a moment ago about drugs, about medications, People view medication as a quick fix, as an easy way, an uh-huh. easy way out. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's easier than uh, than exercising every day. It's easier than changing your eating habits. And uh, they put the, the trust in that medical professional uh, to tell them uh, the right thing to do, the right thing to take, and um, <clears throat> instead of uh, making the lifestyle changes they need to make, uh, instead of doing things a little differently instead of changing their habits. Mm-hmm. So well, I, I think uh, digging a little deeper, that, that, that's my thoughts. I mean, I may be totally off base there, no, no, but that's no, no, kind of no, what, no. I, what I, I see and what I perceive. I think you're right, my friend. I think you're right. And um, do you like Bob Dylan? Mm-hmm. Do you like Bob Dylan? Yeah, I grew up 
Bob Dylan, yeah. Grew up listening to Bob Dylan. Me too. And there's a line yeah. that I love that keeps coming back to me, especially in today's world. Don't follow leaders and watch your parking meters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Well, this is another one that I, I, I quote a lot is, he not busy being born is busy dying. That's, yeah. That's Bob Dylan. What yeah. role does Big Pharma play in making people sick? Yeah, well, uh, I, I could get on my soapbox with that one for a while, but I'll keep it short and sweet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the the role they play in making people uh, uh, sick is uh, uh, putting out these medications uh, that have horrible side effects. Uh, and sadly, in a lot of cases, you know, they know that these side effects exist. And of course, now, thankfully, they have to, you know, tell you what those side effects are and tell you the dangers of the, of the medications. If you watch these all these commercials on TV, you see them being, you know, listed there. I know. Uh, I know. It's actually and, quite comical. It's 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 a yeah. dark, dark kind of comedy. You know, uh, you're having this headache. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is definitely going to take it away, but it might cause death. Oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. And, uh, you know, there's new drugs being developed, seems like, almost every day. New stuff coming out, new things. Uh, and, and I was just speaking to a group uh, the other night about diabetes. And, you know, there's approximately 50 different diabetes medications on the market. And with those 50 medications, are we seeing diabetes getting better? No, it's an epidemic. Um. And, the numbers, and the numbers are growing astronomically. Uh, as the number of people every day being diagnosed with diabetes and the number of people dying due to the complications of diabetes. How much have have those 50 medications helped? And they're looking for new ones to bring out on the market all the time. So, uh, you know, know, people have been, I think, uh, the mentality that's pushed out there by the drug companies is that, hey, we've got a drug we can help you with. This drug can fix that. Uh, This drug can help that. Well, sometimes it can. I'm not anti-drug uh, because there's been a lot of medications, a lot of drugs over the years that have saved people's lives. Uh, but there's also a lot that have taken people's lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of drugs being put on the market that uh, shouldn't be on the market. And uh, there's a lot of unscrupulous things going on out there in that world of, of big pharma, uh, whether people believe it or not. Uh, I've been in that world, haven't been on the big pharma side, but I've been on the side of, uh, of patient care and seeing what happens to people with medications. And, you know, it, it's, it's sad when you've got to take a medication to relieve the side effects of a medication and then another medication to relieve the side effects of that medication and so forth. Mm. Uh, when uh, a lot of times lifestyle change would take care of it all. Yep. Agree again. What, in your opinion, is the most effective approach to weight loss? Most effective approach to uh, weight loss would be probably the two things uh, that I talked about a moment ago, the water, uh, uh, the physical activity, and then the third, which would be one that I would put for physical activity, and and that's uh, better nutrition, eating uh, more balanced. Uh, and that's what I teach. Uh, I teach people how to, to uh, eat balance. Not not necessarily, you know, you got to eat this, you got to eat that. You need to cut this, cut that. 
there's some things that we do need to cut. Uh, but, you know, cutting uh, certain types of foods out is not always the answer for everybody. But for the majority of the people, when they eat more, what I call more balanced, balanced nutrition, where you're getting a correct balance of protein, carbohydrates, and fat every time you eat, that's going to be, and has been for me personally, and for most all of my patients who have followed that, those guidelines that I give them on eating balance, uh, have seen uh, dramatic weight loss uh, when they needed to lose weight. And it works very effectively. So uh, that balanced approach is, is, is what I love and what I have seen the best results with. Mm, yes, indeed. And uh, I was excited one day when somebody revealed to me the ultimate secret for weight loss. You know what it is? Eat less, eat less, move more. Yeah. Eat less, move. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. What, what, what would you say if you would be an absolute no-no food that people, as far as you're concerned, you, you should not be putting into their body? Absolute no-no. Probably what I would say is, is what I you know, preach about and talk about uh, all the time is, is these uh, foods that are artificially uh, sweetened. Mm. Uh, it's these artificial sweeteners that are, I believe, making a lot of people sick, mm-hmm. causing a lot of health health issues uh, with people. And a lot of people go for the diet stuff, the low fat, sugar free, you know, those kind of things that are loaded with artificial uh, sweeteners. And usually, there's a lot of other artificial stuff in there uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I, I tell people all the time, you know, eat real food. Most of the foods that people eat today didn't exist 50 years ago. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They're not, they're not real food. No. And uh, people are not uh, eating real food. So I, I tell people, uh, you know, stay in the produce aisle. Uh, you know, get, get real food as much as you possibly can and eat, eat the real uh, stuff and stay away from the box foods, the packaged foods, the processed, uh, all the processed things, but especially uh, those that contain artificial sweeteners there's a lot of artificial ingredients out there a lot of uh, chemicals preservatives and things that i uh, i talk about in the nutrition chapter of my book that people need to avoid and uh but i i would say number one on that list is going to be uh, the artificial sweetener aspartame mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i agree with you there again do you have a favorite food phil i do i do uh my favorite uh, uh Food is fish, ocean fish, cold cold water fish. uh, I love fish and uh, prepare it here at home all the time. When I go out to eat, I'm I'm looking for that uh, that, uh, fish entree. That's that's what I want. Uh, uh, My opinion is the best source of protein uh, that we can can get. Do uh, Do you prefer it wild? Yes, wild caught ocean fish. Yes, mm. now, there's a lot of farm raised stuff out there. Uh, there's a lot of junk uh, when it comes to fish, just as it is with any other types of uh, foods out there. So you have to be extremely careful in what you choose. I tell people all the time. I teach people you got to read the labels uh, because you know you can go pick up some fish uh, at the grocery store, and if it doesn't say wild caught, then I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it. And then even when it says wild caught. You still need to be careful with the label. Let me tell you something. This this blew my mind, Liz. I was in a big box uh, uh, store uh, recently, and uh, they had all this 
coolers with all these different types of fish. And so I said, well, I'm going to see what they have and see if they've got some good stuff here. So I go over and I grab a bag of wild-caught salmon, Alaskan wild-caught salmon. And I said, well, I'm going to try this. And so I flipped it over and looked at the label, uh, looked at the the origin uh, to see, because a lot of packages now that put the origin on there, where, where exactly where it came from. And it blew my mind when I, saw, when I read what I read. It said, uh, wild-caught in Alaska, processed in China. Whoa. They caught the fish in, <laughs> in the waters off the coast of Alaska, shipped them to China to be processed, Ooh. and then shipped it back to the United States to be sold. Oh, my God. I, yeah. So who knows what happened to it on that uh, trip to China and back. <laughs> oh, well, not only, yeah. And the chemical, <laughs> in order for it to preserve, they would have had to use chemicals. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's yeah. quite an eye-opener. Woo! Yeah. Where do you see yourself in five years, Phil? I see myself uh, five years continuing to work with uh, people like I do now, teaching people how to make those lifestyle changes, the importance of making those lifestyle changes, uh, you know, uh, creating the uh, life plans for people for their health. Uh, basically, you know, continuing to do what I'm doing now, but uh, maybe doing it on a grander scale uh, and reaching uh, reaching more uh, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, a year and a half ago, uh, an MD friend of mine and, uh, and I opened up a medical clinic together. And uh, we also have a wellness component to this uh, clinic where we, where we uh, teach wellness and we do wellness programs as well as traditional medical care. But um, uh, I see that uh, expanding, growing, uh, uh, reaching even more people than, uh, than we're reaching now. And we're bringing people into our uh, practice and uh, taking them through a six-month uh, life change program uh, and seeing some uh, some wonderful things happen. And uh, I see that just uh, growing and expanding uh, over the next five years. Beautiful. Tell people a little more about your book. Okay. How to Live Until You Die, uh, with an emphasis on live, because uh, there's so many people that are uh, that are just existing out there they're not really living they're not really enjoying life they're not living life to its fullest and uh, and that's what i want people to do i want people to be able to experience that uh, like i am and like i do and it you know that people go through so many different things and, and we've talked a lot about that today and all the uh, the heartache and the problems and things that people uh, suffer from emotional things physical things but uh, we can't let those things stop us from living and that's what too many people do and they let these things pull them down and they stay down. They don't get back up. And uh, uh, I heard a, another great quote uh, the other day, a guy named Marshall Ramsey. He's a political cartoonist uh, that you may see in, in papers across the country. But uh, he is the um, nephew of the famous Dave Ramsey, has the uh, radio show and host out there on Financial Matters. But, um, excuse me, uh, his dad... David Ramsey has this quote. He says, uh, make your story not about how you fell down, but how you got back up. Mm. And, and uh, I want people to do that. And that's what my book uh, you know, is all about. It's a, it, it's a lot about my story, about how I've fallen down, but how I've got back up. But it's also stories intertwined in the book about other people who have fallen down and have gotten back up. 
and in every area of their health. And so uh, I cover every area, body, soul, and spirit uh, in the book. And uh, so uh, that's a little brief overview. Beautiful. Now, David Ramsey, is it R-A-M-S-E-Y or S-A-Y? S-E-Y, yes. S-E-E, as in Edward. That's right. Okay. How can people get a hold of your book besides Amazon? Yeah, it's uh, it's available on, on Amazon, uh, the printed version as well as the Kindle version. Uh, the audio version will be coming soon. And um, But uh, they can go to my website, CarsonNatural.com is the easiest place to get it. I have well, a... Well, uh, I want to slow you uh, down there. I want to slow you down there. CarsonNatural.com. C-A-R-S-O-N, natural.com. And I visited there, and, and people, you can take advantage of a version of the book that will also offer you a video course. Yeah, there's a lot of free resources that go along with the book uh, when they get it, and so there's some great stuff there. And there's also quite a few free resources available on my site, too, under my education tab. Uh, and we're adding new things all the time uh, as the site grows to the uh, to the. Uh, education page and with free resources. Wow, this is wonderful. Any other uh, contact info? Is that basically at CarsonNatural.com? Yeah, CarsonNatural.com. Uh, everything's on that page. Uh, how people can contact me if they want to talk with me about uh, coaching, consulting. I have uh, a variety of uh, nutritional products uh, on there as well. If people are looking for a particular nutritional product, I have some unique items on there that uh, you don't find everywhere as well. So uh, a lot of, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good resources uh, on CarsonNatural.com. Mm-hmm. Now, Phil, this is a tough one because uh, we could easily talk for another hour about this, but if you could wave a magic wand and you could only change one thing in the world, only one, you can't change them all, just one, what would it be? Just in one or two words. I would say, diabetes epidemic okay that's a damn good one to want to change yeah any final thoughts my friend uh i'll share one more uh quote uh this is a quote that um that's in my book and you mentioned earlier about some of the uh, the old uh writings and old things from you know from centuries past out there uh this is one from voltaire and he said that god gave us the gift of life it is up to us to give ourselves the gift of living well. Mm. God gave us the gift of life, but it's up to us to give ourselves the gift of living well. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. What a beautiful way to conclude. You have contributed enormously today. I can't thank you enough, my friend. Oh, well, thank you, Lewis. It's been an honor and a pleasure to, uh, to be with you today. And uh, I thank you very much for the opportunity to share with your audience today. Quite welcome. Thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time today with me and Dr. Phil Carson. Remember to pay this show forward. Let people know that they can hear it at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. And of course, I have created a free gift for you that's waiting on that website, a free downloadable ebook entitled Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. Today's discussion brought up a lot of wonderful, enriching, powerful books. 
Once again, I can't urge you enough to pick up one, two, all of them if you are a voracious reader, and start delving into this material that can expand your world, change the way you live, enrich you, and bring you more of anything that you may be looking for in your life. Remember to take advantage of the offer from our sponsor, Audible. Simply go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power and download for free any audiobook of your choice, choosing from more than 120,000 titles and get access for an entire month to all of Audible's service. Christmas is here in a couple of days. I offer this as a Christmas gift for the first three of you who take action, reach out to me, tell me that you listen to the podcast and you're interested in improving the power of your communication, of making it more clear, definitely making it more compelling. We can take a look at that. And over a 30-minute period, I guarantee you that you will have actionable steps that you can take immediately to transform your communication, make it more magnetic, interesting, and valuable to others. Reach out to me at lewis, L-O-U-I-S, at changeyourstorypodcast.com or loseclub, L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B, at gmail.com. One of the main things that impressed me about Dr. Phil Carson was his courage to step way beyond his comfort zone. He had a good job, a good career, as it were, in pharmaceuticals, but his inner world was not in alignment with it. He could have stayed comfortable, never challenging the status quo, and he would have felt safe, but forever unhappy. He reinvented himself. He created a new story that not only enriched his life, but the lives of other people that he touches. This is a great time as the new year approaches for you to look at your own comfort zones. Are you too comfortable in them? Are they actually hurting you? Are they keeping you aligned to something that you've outgrown? Something that is actually not good for your spirit, for you as a human being in the world. Step up. Take the first step, yes, in the darkness. Have the courage to begin your change. Begin by asking, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.